On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. It's been a while since we spoke to George Parker, the political editor of the Financial Times, um, because I suppose, George, we were trying to just sort of pretend that Brexit had gone away or that there was little reason to be constantly calling you for <laughs> latest updates about the, uh, the, the micro uh, concerns that were all going on. But it seems that things for for Boris Johnson are, are kicking off quite a bit at the moment because you could talk about NATO or talk about Gordon Brown saying that the country is basically at war over the protocol. Um, but there's serious allegations this weekend about uh, Boris Johnson ignoring some pretty sleazy behaviour within the party because this Deputy Chief Whip, Chris Pincher, um, he was the man who was suspended by the party a couple of days ago. It turns out that he has, uh, suffice to say, a little bit of previous. Yeah, and if you just look at any of the uh, Sunday newspapers in Britain today, you'll see plenty of... Uh evidence or allegations at least against Mr Pincher and unwanted attentions he's been lavishing on staffers at Westminster, Tory MPs and certainly if Boris Johnson had chosen to hear what people were saying about Chris Pincher he would have run a mile away from appointing him to the job he appointed him to. He was, he was Deputy Chief Whip which is a role which has a kind of welfare element to it where if MPs are in trouble or want to get some personal advice they turn to Chris Pincher. And you have to ask yourself why on earth Boris Johnson put Chris Pincher in such a sensitive position. Um, does that mean then that we're in that classic situation where number 10 says that it wasn't aware of these allegations, even though much of the parliamentary party says that it, he probably was? Yeah, it was pretty pretty much an open secret. In fact, it was, so, it was so much of an open secret that Chris Pincher had previously had to resign as a whip after he was um, supposed to have um, lavished unwelcome attention on, on a potential Tory candidate a former Olympic rower who he said would have a great future ahead of him. In the so so he so, already had previous, he already had a, a, a known documented instance of unwanted attention to individuals which required him to resign as a whip previously. And oh, then yeah. yet again, then he was given the job as a deputy whip, the welfare whip effectively, mm. where he'd be responsible for counselling others who came forward with similar concerns. Yeah, exactly. So people can't believe that Boris Johnson did this. And the reason he did it, frankly, is because Chris Pincher is one of the ultra-loyalist to Boris Johnson. There aren't that many, actually, to be honest, but Chris Pincher was involved in trying to uh, keep Boris Johnson in this position when there was that rebellion a few weeks ago. Um, and he's long been one of Boris Johnson's closest allies. So he was given that job, even though he was warned against it, even though another whip at the time said, don't warn Downing Street not to do it. And he proceeded to do it. And it's, uh, you know, the allegations against Chris Pincher, which he denies, of course, are, um, are quite serious. And lots of um, Tory MPs, particularly women in the party, actually, saying there should be zero tolerance of this kind of thing. And what on earth was Boris Johnson doing? So, um, yes, again, Boris Johnson being asked, you, you said, you know, oh, Down, Downing Street denying he knew about this. They're saying he, that he didn't know about specific allegations against Chris Pincher. That's the uh, line they're trying to hold hold through this weekend. Uh, which is uh, quite a, a Jesuitical line. Um, you mentioned there that he's a loyalist to Boris Johnson. That that might maybe address the next thing that I was going to, to put to you because, um, you know, we're not long after an MP had to resign for admitting to watching pornography in the House of Commons chamber. We're not long after an MP was forced to resign because he was jailed for sexually abusing a 15-year-old boy. Um, are, are we in situations now where, where number 10 almost doesn't want this to result in a seat being vacated because they don't want to deal with yet another by-election which is going to deal with yet another demoralising defeat which is going to lead to yet more calls about the Prime Minister's future? I think those are all th- absolutely accurate. Yeah, I was going to say there are two reasons why Boris Johnson was so, so slow to remove the uh, party whip from Chris Pinch. One is that he's a, a mate and the second thing, as you say, is he doesn't want another by-election. We had two by-elections recently, the ones you've referred to, where the Conservatives lost, lost hefty majorities. In fact, in the, the case of the, the by-election in Devon, 
they lost the biggest ever parliamentary majority in a by-election in British history, 24,000 or so. So no seat is safe at the moment, particularly if a seat's vacated in a scandal of the kind we've just been discussing. So they're desperately keen to avoid a, a by-election if they can. Well, I think that's, you know, it seems to me that's the one way this uh, this whole story is going. Mm. Uh, we're in a curious situation at the moment where there's still these question marks around uh, the running of the party and about um, Boris Johnson's command of the party and whether he's he's doing so appropriately. But yet we're only not long after um, that vote of confidence that there was on, on the 7th of June. God, even less than a month ago. God, what, what, a, what a long time a month is in politics. <laughs> um, so notionally, Boris Johnson at least cannot be uh, removed by his own uh, parliamentary colleagues again. Um, for another 11 months. But yet we still have the situation where the unease about his tenure hasn't gone away and these things are, are raising all the time. I sort of wonder then, what, what is the outlet for that? Or, or how does it all resolve if the, the usual means that you'd have of writing to Graham Brady and calling a motion of no confidence is already off the table? Well, as you say, I mean, the whole thing plays into discontent about Boris Johnson's leadership, sort of whether he's got the moral judgments and, or the judgment at all to be prime minister. And certainly this is adding to discontent. I mean, you're right that mechanically there's no prospect of a another leadership or no confidence vote for another 11 months unless they change the party rules, which is a possibility. But I suppose there are other ways in which, you know, if the party decides, right, that's it, we've had enough, we can't take any more of this, things can happen. You could have a cabal of senior cabinet ministers all going to him and saying, if you don't quit, we're resigning and precipitate some kind of political crisis. I think Boris Johnson's strategy, if you can call it a strategy, is just to limp into the summer holidays, which are about three weeks away now. The Commons breaks for about six weeks and then just hope that everything just calms down and something turns up in the autumn. But frankly, it's very hard to see mm. what could turn up for Boris Johnson in the autumn. The economy's you know, heading to a very dark place. Um, and there's no obvious escape route for a prime minister who's lost the support of 40% of his own MPs. Um, and just on that, that hypothetical instance of ministers going to him, is it still the case, though, that a lot of those ministers don't really want to unseat the party leader because they don't know whether they would have similar employment prospects if there was a different leader in number 10? Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the thing that's held people back. It's the, um, it's the fear of the unknown, the fact there isn't a, a ready-made leader waiting in the wings. Um, there's a fear among Northern MPs that you could end up with a Southern MP like Jeremy Hunt running the party, which would cost them their seats in the North, potentially. Um, or more moderate MPs are worried that the party might opt for someone more right-wing than Boris Johnson, someone like Liz Truss, for example, the Foreign Secretary, who could end up alienating voters in the South. So there's a lot of uncertainty about what would happen if you remove Boris Johnson. Um, and the calculation they still haven't reached in the Tory party is, is Boris Johnson, beyond any set of a doubt, uh, going to be a liability to the party at the next election? I think once they've concluded that is the case, and certainly the evidence seems to be piling up at the moment, I think they will move against him with a, against him with a fair amount of brutality and swiftness. But yeah, which I suppose seems to be quite there. Yeah, well, know. I suppose it is maybe why why this Chris Pincher um, Chris Pincher instance is worth paying attention to because if it does result in a, a by election, and then it's another another straw that might eventually break the camel's back. Um, you mentioned Liz Truss there in passing, and I suppose I should ask you about the uh, the issue, which of course is still exercising minds in Ireland, which is the the Northern Ireland Protocol Bill that she and Brandon Lewis are bringing through, which they insist is a proportionate way of resolving an issue, in which everyone else seems to to disagree with. Um, I, I'm guessing at this point, and it kind of seems like I'm, I'm almost sort of uh, flogging a, a lame duck by, by even asking the question, but I, I don't suppose there is any scope for a, a change of mind about all of this, that, that their, their mind is made up and that they're not going to um, listen to Simon Coveney writing a piece in Today's Observer, for example. I don't think so at the moment that they've set the course, but the course is a pretty dangerous one for Boris Johnson. So I think we're going to see this bill go through the House of Commons before the summer break. 
but then it goes into the House of Lords, and the House of Lords, the government has no majority there. The House of Lords takes its constitutional duties very seriously. They don't like the idea of elected governments breaking international law, as they would see it. So the bill could be held up for many months, though, potentially mm. a year or so. So nothing is going to be resolved very swiftly. So it does create some space for a negotiated okay. settlement right. with the EU, but I think it's a okay. long way off. Uh, we're out of time. George Parker, thank you very much for joining us this lunchtime. On the record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC. Combining talent and technology, we're hardwired to find solutions. It all adds up to the new equation on News Talk.